This morning the title of my sermon is The End. The End. And we're looking at the whole of, well we're not actually, we're looking at Daniel chapter 12, but we're going to concentrate on the first four verses. About four months ago it was, we started looking at the book of Daniel and today we'll visit it for the 15th and final time, at least the final time for the next few years. Who knows what, if the Lord Jesus Christ tarries. In chapter 1, Daniel, who was probably about 14 years old at the time, was taken into Babylonian captivity where he studied for three years and all the wisdom and ways of the Babylonians before entering into service for the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar and after that he served the Medes and the Persians. And now in these final chapters, Daniel's an old man, not far off 90, and if nothing else in our studies, I hope that you've seen that throughout his 80 years or more of combined service for the the Babylonian Empire and the Medo-Persian Empire, he never wavered or compromised his faith in the Lord God Almighty and in his service to him. He managed to get it right. Somehow he was in the world, but still he never compromised. In our last study, we dipped into chapter 11 and we considered the cruelty and the deceitfulness of Antiochus Epiphanes of the Seleucid Empire. Also, back in chapter 8 and verse 9, Antiochus was described as a little horn. Horn means power in the Bible, a a little power, albeit a very dangerous power, a very evil, cruel power. He reigned from about 174 to 164 BC and during that time he desecrated the temple in Jerusalem, he flattered the Jewish apostates and he persecuted the godly Jews to death. As cruel and deceptive as Antiochus was, it was pointed out that he was a forerunner to a final king or ruler, world leader, who in chapter 7 and verse 8 is also described as a little horn. He too will exalt and magnify himself above all. We can remind ourselves what was said about that final little horn. Just look at chapter 11 verse 36 and 37 and the king shall do according to his will and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvellous things against the god of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished for that that is determined shall be done neither shall he regard the god of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Also last week, the New Testament was referred to, where the Apostle Paul said of that final little horn in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, 
Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. As to who that man of sin, the son of perdition, is, or will be when he comes, we're not informed. Suffice to say that even now there are many world leaders, I can certainly run off a few names that come to mind, but there are many world leaders who fit that description of man of sin, son of perdition, that final little horn, and they do so to varying degrees whether they be religious leaders or secular leaders. Added to that, Paul's description fits everyday people who exalt themselves as they curse and blaspheme their maker, almighty God, instead of prostrating themselves before God and trusting in the Son of God for the forgiveness of all their sins. People who are too proud to bow down before God confessing their sins and pleading nothing other than the blood of Jesus. Quite a few people like that around, aren't there? Uh, And indeed, the Christians in here too, if it were not for the grace of God towards them. Last of all, in our previous study, it was emphasised that despite all the demonic and earthly powers that oppose God and that persecute his people, God is in complete control of everything and that includes history as it unfolds. What a comfort that is to God's people. Just so that you do not doubt it, just look at the last verse in Daniel chapter 11 concerning that final little horn, the man of sin, the son of perdition. Look at the end, the very end of verse 45 where it says, Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. And that brings us to our final considerations now in chapter 12. We're just going to concentrate on the first four verses. Uh, I'll read them to you again. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of, of thy people, And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament or the heavens, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge, uh, and knowledge shall be increased. These four, these four, these four verses, the first four verses of chapter 12, They wouldn't be out of place in the previous chapter. If you took those first four verses and stuck them at the end of chapter 11, that would work out quite well because really this finishes off 
what the angel has been saying to Daniel in chapters 10 and 11. We're told that many of them that are asleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. That's in verse 2, and it speaks of what? Many of them asleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. It speaks of a resurrection of the dead. Also in verse 2, some shall awake to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. What does that speak of? Judgment. It speaks of judgment. First of all this morning, we can consider a great awakening of the dead at the end of the world. In John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking about his Father giving him all authority to judge. And in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, or the time is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. He was talking about himself there. They will hear the voice of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and shall come forth. Therefore, when Jesus comes again, all of the billions of dead people from throughout history shall hear his voice and they shall rise from the dead. When people die, there is a separation of body and soul. That's what happens when you die. Your body um, returns to the earth and your soul returns to God. However, there are examples in the Bible of the two being reunited when dead people rise up to life again, such as at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, there was a man named Lazarus who rose when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus had been dead for four days and we're told that his body began to stink. In other words, his body had began to decay Even so, Jesus raised Lazarus up and no doubt he was restored physically and no doubt he didn't stink anymore. Jesus doesn't do things by half. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus obeyed that command and rose from the dead. One might argue that it would take forever to raise every dead person who has ever lived on the day of judgment however you need to remember who created time it was God who created time and apart from anything else time will become an irrelevance at the end of time so don't spend your time trying to figure out how Jesus will raise up everyone who has ever lived from the dead he can do it and he will do it At the end of the world, when all that are in the grave shall hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and shall come forth, there will be those whose resurrected bodies will be made suitable for what? Suitable for everlasting torment in hellfire. Those people will no doubt constitute the vast majority of the people who have lived throughout history. As for those who died trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour from sin, 
talking about the minority here, those who have trusted in Jesus, and also the believers who will still be alive in their bodies when Jesus comes again. This is what the Apostle Paul said. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Remember, Paul was speaking to Christians, to people trusting in Christ. Not all shall sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, it hasn't happened yet, but what shall happen when all the saints get their bodies made fit for heaven, then the saying that is written shall be said, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Can you hear that? Death being mocked. Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's on the day when the dead in Christ will be raised up and given bodies, glorious bodies, made like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ, made fit for heaven. In the Old Testament book of Job, Job who has now been dead for thousands of years had no problem believing that God is able to raise people, including himself, from the dead. And as someone who was trusting in God, he was clearly looking forward to that day. I don't know if you're looking forward to the day when Jesus comes again and he commands everyone who has ever lived to rise rise up from the dead. Is that something that you look forward to? Do you say, even so, come Lord Jesus? Or perhaps not. Perhaps you're thinking, well, I just hope it never happens because the thought terrifies a life out of you. Or maybe you just don't care. I don't know. Anyway, Job, this is what he said. In Job chapter 19, verse 25 and 26, he said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. He was talking about Jesus. Jesus, who would come into the world perhaps thousands of years later. I don't know how long it was before the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, that Job was in the world, but Job was looking ahead to his Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, standing at the latter day upon the earth. And he went on to say, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. How wonderful that is, to see the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes again. Well, at least it will be a wonderful thing for his people. Next we can 
consider that with the resurrection from the dead at the end of the age, there shall come judgment. As it's written in uh, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That word many at the beginning of verse 2 doesn't mean that the number of dead people who will be raised at the end of the world is it will be many but not everyone. That's not what it means. Rather many means a vast multitude. And out of that vast multitude that shall be raised from the dead at the end of the world we see that some shall awake to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We'll consider who shall awake to everlasting life. Looking again at verse 1, it's written, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even so, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one shall every one that shall be found written in the book. The temptation for many, or the tendency, or the inclination for many, is to read verse one and to to assume that the children of thy people refers to Daniel's kinsmen, his kinsmen, ethnic Jews in other words, and that details are given in chapter 12 concerning a future deliverance of the Jewish nation. However, as can be seen in verses 1 through to 4, it takes us way beyond a deliverance of ethnic Jews And it takes us to a general resurrection and to a final judgment of everybody at the end of the world, resulting in everlasting deliverance for some and everlasting punishment for others. According to verse 3, they, verse 3, they, that is Daniel's people, who shall be be delivered and shall awake to everlasting life, they are wise. Daniel's people are wise, or the children of Daniel's people are wise, according to verse 3. First and foremost, the way to be wise is to know the Son of God. That is wisdom. That is applied wisdom. To know the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. That's where wisdom starts. And to have Jesus as your wisdom, as your justification, as your sanctification, as your everything. That's wisdom. I like what the Bible commentator John Gill said. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, that are wise not in things natural and civil, but in things spiritual, who are wise unto salvation, that are wise to know themselves, 
their state and condition by nature, their impurity, their impotence, the insufficiency of their own righteousness, the exceeding sinfulness of sin and the dangerous circumstances they are in, that are wise to know Christ and him crucified, to believe in him and trust in him for everlasting life and salvation. These at the resurrection shall shine both in body and soul. Their bodies shall be fashioned like to the glorious body of Christ. Their souls shall be filled with perfect light and knowledge and be completely holy without any sin upon them. And this light and glory that will be upon both soul and body will be like the brightness of the heavens when the sun is risen. Think about this. We're looking at prophecy of the end times here. And, uh, and this isn't talking, a, this cannot be talking about a worldly wisdom. The only wisdom this can be talking about is the wisdom that comes through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings. Anything other than that is foolish. When I read read in verse 3 about those who wake up to everlasting life shining as the brightness of the firmament or as the brightness of the heavens, it reminds me of something very similar that the Lord Jesus Christ said will happen at the end of the world. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43, Jesus said that the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of of their father and that was said in the context of the final judgment when the dead are raised up and there's that final harvest putting it very simply those who shall wake up to shame and everlasting contempt at the end of the world will be people who have never trusted in Jesus as their saviour from sin and for their acceptance before a holy and righteous God. As for those who shall wake up to everlasting life and shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, they are the children of Daniel's people in in that they are spiritual Jews. They are Jews inwardly. These are the children of Daniel's people. Yeah, they are Jews. Jews inwardly. People with circumcised hearts. Whether whether they are ethnic Jews or whether they are Gentiles. It doesn't matter. What makes them Jews or spiritual Jews is the condition of their heart. And that they have trusted in the Messiah, the Prince, as their saviour from sin. Still in verse 1 we see that the children of Daniel's people have their names written in the book. That's at the very end of of verse 1 rather. Their names shall be found written in the book. Which book might that be, I wonder? The Forbes Forbes list of the, the, the world's wealthiest people perhaps? I don't know. I think not. In fact, I know exactly what this book is. More than 500 years after these words were given to Daniel, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were rejoicing because Jesus had given them power to cast out evil spirits. 
However, Jesus said to them when they were busy rejoicing at all the power Jesus had given them, and he said to them in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Never mind all these other things, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Also, there's a revelation that was given to the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through to 15, in which he testified the following, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, this is the judgment, folks, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The second death, it's referred to there, being cast into the lake of fire. If your name is not written in the book of life, we're all going to die once unless Jesus comes in the meantime. But for the Christian, this earthly death that happens once, that's it. Finished. After that, no more death. No more tears. No more sorrow. We enter into his presence, the presence of our beautiful Saviour. But still there's talk of a second death. And that is reserved for those, the unbelieving, when they are cast into the lake of fire. They are the people whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life. The second death. So, did you get all of that? The Lord Jesus Christ, he told his disciples to rejoice because their names were written in heaven. That's the first thing. Never mind anything else. If you are a Christian, rejoice. And again I say rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And then we have the Apostle John speaking about the final judgment. And he said that whosoever was not found in the book of life whose name is not found written in heaven, was cast into hellfire. No rejoicing there. The person who rejoices because his name is written in heaven is someone whose joy is to be found through faith in his Saviour, the incarnate Son of God, who has gone to heaven to prepare a place for him, having sacrificially laid down his life for him at the cross of Calvary. As for those whose names are not found in the book of life in heaven, they are 
the unbelieving and they shall be cast into hellfire. Even now the wrath of God abides upon all who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and live lives for his glory. Last of all, we see angelic activity at the judgment with one of the chief angels, Michael, the archangel. We see that in verse 1 again. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. The children of thy people, who I've already explained, are the believing whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But, according to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. It couldn't be clearer. When Jesus comes again, the angels will will come with him. What a sight to behold that will be. All those angels, the heavenly hosts, but of course the greatest sight of all will be Jesus, to see Jesus. And when those angels come with Jesus, they won't be just bystanders um, watching events as they unfold. They will be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be busy. Jesus shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they, the angels, shall gather together God's chosen people, his elect, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Those people will will be all who have ever lived and by the grace of God have trusted in Christ. They shall inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. As for the wicked, that is all who have never received forgiveness for their sins through faith in Christ. He shall send forth his angels and they shall cast them into the furnace of fire where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Finally, we see in verse 1 that there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. In fact, things will be so bad, so terrible, just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that those days will be cut short for the sake of his elect. That said, all who belong to Jesus have every reason to read these verses, these very solemn verses in Daniel and rejoice. Rejoice as you praise God and that is because you can be sure that the final victory belongs to your great God and Saviour. In fact, the matter was settled about 2,000 years ago at the cross when by his own death, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. I'll finish this sermon and this book with a question for you. Are you rejoicing? And I don't mean rejoicing because of something in this world that might give you a temporary joy. I'm talking about a joy that can only come from having your name written in heaven. Repent. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour from sin. And may the joy that you have be a joy 
not so much that reaches up to heaven, but the joy that is the joy of the Lord, a joy that reaches you from heaven, from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the joy to have, the joy of the Lord, and to rejoice in that joy always, regardless of what's happening in this world and in your own life. As someone who is trusting in Christ for your acceptance before God, Jesus, who, having risen triumphantly from the dead after paying the price for sin with his own precious blood and with his own life. Amen.